For two generations now, we have understood that when we send people far away to fight for their country, they come home different. You know what I did to get back to you? No. You know what I did? I love you, Grace! These are girls, please. You know how much I love you! Changed. They carry with them a piece of the war. When I was home after my first tour, it was worse. I'd wake up and there'd be nothing. That they feel they must hide. But they can't. You want to get us some cereal? I'll meet you at the checkout. Okay. Cereal. Where? Those are movies, of course. And most Americans have experienced what is clinically called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, in movies like The Hurt Locker, Apocalypse Now, and Brothers. There are many others we might have chosen. But really, these films are more like a theme park ride for people who never experienced war to satisfy their curiosity about something they can perhaps never understand. The reality of PTSD sounds more like this. You can't see or hear PTSD. It doesn't have a distinctive rash or a scar. But someone who carries PTSD feels it as the familiar world looks unfamiliar. A reasonable fear suddenly stands out as strange. The stress of encountering and suppressing uncontrollable feelings about details in the environment. A parked car. Something in the road. Having to choose a color of paint or a brand of cereal. Any of that can bring it on. It's there, and then it's gone. Here are some disturbing numbers. There are over 2.3 million American veterans of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. At least 20% of them have PTSD and or depression, according to a 2010 RAND Corporation study, which says that number may be seriously understating the problem. The percentage of vets with traumatic brain injury and PTSD is unprecedented in the history of warfare, according to numerous studies. Half of people with PTSD, according to the RAND study, do not get treatment. And the rates of post-traumatic stress are greater for veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan than from prior conflicts. Here's a number. In times of peace in any given year, 3.6% of the general population have PTSD from accidents, abuse, and natural disasters. Who are these veterans? And how can they help us to understand this experience of PTSD, which on some level involves us all? Former Marine David Morris, who experienced Iraq in combat and as a journalist, is the author of the upcoming book, The Evil Hours, a biography of post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD was originally known as post-Vietnam syndrome before uh, the group that was advocating for its recognition uh, got it recognized by psychiatry, and then it became post-traumatic stress disorder. But there originally there was, a, there was a lot of pushback from uh, World War II veterans in the 60s and 70s to get Vietnam veterans recognized at all. There was not a willingness to acknowledge that war damaged people, that there was this effect that society had to deal with. It was a struggle up until PTSD wasn't, a lot of people don't know this, wasn't recognized until 1980. It has this classical history that, that goes back as long as, as the West does, but there wasn't an official attempt to recognize it until 1980. How have the lessons from war borne on the clinical notions of PTSD in places that have nothing to do with war, other, other places associated with stress, domestic violence, uh, uh, abusive relationships of one kind or another? 
Well, it's interesting because PTSD, I don't, you know, is originally developed out of uh, the veteran experience, and so it wasn't something originally that people were willing to acknowledge for rape victims and and for victims of child abuse and natural disaster victims. The military experience was the original starting point for PTSD. Uh, And since then, the diagnosis has evolved somewhat, but it's been kind of a struggle to find a way to to demilitarize certain aspects of the diagnosis and to understand how it it relates to to, uh, civilians and survivors of all kinds. Uh, And that's kind of what's interesting. I've I've interviewed a number of rape survivors and, and to be able to talk to them with that common diagnosis and being able to understand PTSD as someone coming from a military background, there is sort of this community of survivors and this connection uh, that can be developed through the diagnosis, which, you know, admittedly the, the diagnosis is something that's in a sense artificial. It was something that's created by a committee, the diagnosis of PTSD. So it's not this absolute thing, but the ability to have that conversation that a, that a war veteran can have with a rape survivor and say, hey, yeah, I have flashbacks too. Yeah, I, I struggle with being too switched on and being being hypervigilant when I feel threatened. And so there, it's kind of an interesting thing is there is this community that can develop uh, via the diagnosis. Well, on the other side of that then, uh, what's the downside of PTSD being such a broad designation of a whole variety of experiences? Well, I mean, you have to start with the, with the idea that PTSD is, a, in a certain sense, an artificial construct that was agreed upon by by a committee of largely psychiatrists and and researchers. And it's difficult at times to tell the difference between PTSD and other mental health disorders. So it's such a grab bag of symptoms that it it becomes difficult to nail it down exactly, to diagnose it exactly. Nevertheless, people who have this experience um, have a real tangible sense that something's going on with them. Do you tangibly feel the symptoms of PTSD yourself? Yeah, and when I first came back from Iraq in 2004, I just there was this sense of of disconnection and and realizing that I wasn't the same person. Later, as I kept going back, I had I was in a, a helicopter that was shot up over over Fallujah, the city of Fallujah. And then later it became hard to fly on any airplane just because I thought it was going to crash and just you know had, had sort of panic attacks with that. And I know a lot of veterans struggle with this too is most of the casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan have been caused through roadside bombs. So a lot of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans struggle with uh, being able to drive and being able to deal with being on the road without being stressed out. Including you? Uh yeah, I just I know I started to notice that when I drove, I just was irritable and really on guard, like my head was on a swivel. I was always trying to check my six and just being very attentive to the traffic going on around me. And you know, you notice one of the ways that you can die in Iraq and Afghanistan is by running over the wrong pothole where someone's put, you know, an IED. I have this encyclopedic knowledge of all the potholes in my neighborhood. You know, I know I know what they look like. I know how they, you know, what they've changed from day to day. You know, I drive around them. And so I think this is sort of, and this behavior kind of evolved over time. It wasn't something that I came back and immediately noticed. All the tactical habits that you develop and hone in a wartime situation, you have to, they become muscle memory. And the stress is associated with life having gone on for the people who weren't in the war. Yeah, and it's sort of, one of the metaphors I go back to is the idea of veterans, and this is how I felt when I came back from Iraq as a reporter, was you sort of feel like Rip Van Winkle. You feel like you've been in this other realm for a long time, and you come back, and life 
has gone on, I mean, you understand that intellectually, but it's it's kind of taken, it's proceeded at its own pace, and you feel like a, you've stepped back, you know, you've time-traveled in some way. You come back, and, and you feel as if you can't really communicate in the same way that you used to, and, and there's jokes that you don't get. You just sort of struggle with the impossibility of you know, of your survival and the fact that you're, you know, the world has gone on. And I think what I felt, you know, and I went to Iraq three times and, and kind of went through the process again and again, is you come back and it's always the small things that can be upsetting, but then there's this sense, and I think this is more true with the Iraq and Afghanistan wars than with World War II or the, or the Civil War, for example, is that you come back and, and you're kind of a loner. I mean, you come back and you're probably one of the few soldiers in your hometown. Uh, not that many people have that experience, and so there's this feeling of disconnection and feeling of of aloneness. Uh, and it takes some time to kind of get in touch with and see those habits as being not particularly adaptive. David Morris, thanks so much. Thanks, John. David Morris is a former Marine, author of the upcoming book, The Evil Hours, a biography of post-traumatic stress disorder. He spoke with us from San Diego. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.